Welcome to Voices Amplified as we take over Radioactive, a show that plugs you into everything that's happening in your community. I'm Zay Angel Alvarez. I'll be your host, along with Emmy winner and Amplify Utah founder, Marcy Young Cancio. Join us, special guests, and other aspiring journalists as we dive deep into exciting stories and current events. Stay tuned. We have a fantastic show for you today. Marcy, do you want to introduce some of the people we have? Absolutely. And first of all, Zay, happy birthday. I hear that you're celebrating a birthday today. I it's am. very exciting. <laughs> thank uh, you, thank yeah, you. we have a great show for you guys. I'm Marcy Young-Cancio, as Zay said, in addition to being with Amplify Utah, I am an, an assistant professor of journalism and digital media at Salt Lake Community College, where we, where we are recording the show today. And with us, we're lucky to have a really stellar panel of guests for our first ever radioactive takeover. We have got uh, journalism students and Globe staff writers, Christian Martinez, Alexi Zollinger, Andrew Christiansen, and Juliana DeMay. And we are also joined by Ellie Uber, a Brighton High School student who Alexi talked to for a story that she will be telling you all more, all will be telling you all more about today. Wow. Those are a lot of uh, vowels there just to, to trip me up. But welcome. Uh, Zay, go ahead. Thanks, Marcy. Join us as we talk about the stories that these journalists have been working on with Amplify Utah, a new nonprofit focused on dynamic journalistic storytelling to celebrate diverse points of views. Coming up, we're talking sex ed. Are there gaps? The custodial shortage. The fix may not be as easy as you think. And returning back to campus. How is everybody adjusting? But first, we want to tell you a little bit more about Amplify Utah and the work the nonprofit has been doing with SLCC students in partnership with the Salt Lake Tribune and other local media over the last year. Thanks, Say. So we've been really fortunate to be able to be partners with KRCL and Radioactive for a while now. Many of our students have been able to talk about the work that they've been doing in partnership with Salt Lake Community College, The Globe, and now Amplify Utah, a nonprofit that was launched in the summer of 2020 to uh, amplify voices that we're not often hearing in our local media to bring representation to some of those voices. I like to call it representative storytelling. And we have got uh, Christian Martinez here with us today. He was the very first Salt Lake Community College student published as part of Amplify Utah. He was published in the Salt Lake Tribune back in April of 2021. And he's been published a few times since then. And because of uh, the great work he's doing, we've also asked him to join our board of directors as a student representative on the board at Amplify Utah. So Christian, I just could you give a little bit of an update to all of the listeners about what we've been doing and how this project's been going? Um, yeah, so this project, um, I guess uh, it's been a way for stories that are often overlooked, um, you know, the stories that exist in the community that are overlooked or sometimes just not paid attention to or just very small stories that can still have a lot of significance. Um, so this Amplify Utah works to broaden that those kinds of stories reach um, to get those stories to more people um, just to you know, to give it more, uh, what's the word? Um, I guess just broader reach, um, just because a lot of these stories, you know, as they may be overlooked, but they can have a lot of significance to people beyond the story scope. It could um, um, resonate, I guess, is the word I would use with people beyond the scope of the story. And you've written three stories that have been published with the Tribune, right? And working on a fourth, hopefully now. Yes, that's right. So my first story was um, all the way back in April, right? I think you remember the date better than I do. Um, uh, yeah, it was about a um, 
I'm going to try to keep this really quick because I don't want to, I don't want to get too bogged down in the details, but yeah, it was regarding a um, women X coordinator here at the college. Uh, it was an inaugural position. So it was a, it was, it had a lot of, um, um, I guess you could say uh, it was controversial for a lot of different reasons. Um, so that was an interesting story. Then there was a Latinx mural here that was unveiled, which was also the very first mural commissioned by the college, which is a very kind of big, I thought it was a very big story. Um, then there's the third story I wrote regarding a um, individual in South, uh, South Salt Lake who was trying to rename a Columbus Center um, for um, the reason being because of the name being named after Christopher Columbus. And that, and that student's a Haitian refugee in, living in Utah as well, right? That's correct. Yeah. So he just, um, being a member of, he, you know, he partook a lot of activities at the center. So he wanted to see that name change. So all of these stories I would say are, I guess there, there may have been a chance that they might've been overlooked and these stories might've been just a college story. Um, but because of this program, we were able to get it out to more people for more readers to see, and then to start, you know, conversations that just kind of started from there. And this has been really fun because Christian's three stories are part of more than two dozen that students have been able to publish. Christian wrote about gender and trans issues and how uh, communities are being supported on college campuses. He's written about DACA students and he's written about youth getting involved to actively make a, a change for the better in their communities. Uh, you're going to hear from students who have been published with the Tribune today on today's on this show and throughout the course of the semester as care as we take over the airwaves on KRCL's Radioactive every Monday. Uh, we're really thrilled. If you want to learn more about Amplify Utah, you can visit us at amplifyutah.org. But more importantly, go and read the stories and watch the videos and this awesome work that these students have been doing. You can find all of those stories published at sltrib.com. And there's a link up at the top that says Amplify Utah. That is where you can find all all of their work. It's in front of the paywall. A big part of what this project is, is to make sure that these stories are accessible and can be amplified broadly for as many people to read them. So whether you have a subscription to the Tribune or not, you can read every single last piece of work and watch the videos that these awesome students have done. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at Amplify Utah. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can sign up for the newsletter also from our website. While we're plugging things, please also give the Globe a follow at Globe SLCC. And if you're not already, tap in to KRCL's Radioactive and give them a follow on Instagram at KRCL Radio. Say, we'll kick it to you as we move, move the show along. And when we come back, a look at sex education in Utah public schools, what students are learning and what they're not. I'm Zay Angel Alvarez, and you're listening to Radioactive with Amplify Utah and Salt Lake Community College student storytellers on KRCL. The Utah Film Center and KRCL present Black, Bold, and Brilliant, a series of film and media events that highlight issues affecting the Black community. The next event on February 15th will discuss race, love, and artistic inspiration. More information at utahfilmcenter.org. Utah has more than 10,000 nonprofits, like Women of the World, which needs practical English volunteers and mentors. You can help forcibly displaced women make Salt Lake City their home and build community through self-reliance and trust. Details at womenofworld.org. Welcome back to Radioactive. I'm Marcy Young-Cancio, Assistant Professor at Salt Lake Community College and 
uh, executive director at Amplify Utah. And I'm joined by Zay Angel Alvarez and a bunch of other amazing student journalists here at Slick. Uh, we're hosting the show tonight to share diverse stories from the community in partnership with KRCL and Amplify Utah. I want to first kick things off with Alexi Zollinger, who is joined by Brighton High School student, Ellie Uber. And Alexi, that just this last uh, fall, published a really interesting story about sex education in the state of Utah, what students are learning, what they're not, and how students are feeling about those gaps or the way that the education is being provided. She's joined by Ellie, who was one of her sources in the story. So Alexi, tell us about the story and why you felt like this was important to do. So um, originally I did a story on just uh, basic, you know, sex ed. And then while I was doing that, I actually spoke to some people from the Gender and Sexuality Student Research Center here at SLIC or Salt Lake Community College. And, you know, it, it kind of made me realize that, you know, sex ed in Utah is as, as minuscule as it is for heterosexual and cisgender people but it's also, you know, non-existent for trans students and for um, LGBTQ queer students. So it's important to acknowledge that even in such a aspect, such as health education, because truly um, this story that I wrote goes beyond sex ed and also just goes into general health education because sex ed is normally taught in human development and health courses. So uh, queer students in Utah's public schools um, are missing out on a big portion of their health and human development in Utah's public high schools. And that's something that I thought was important. And I was inspired to talk to Ellie about it because I was a student at Brighton High School. And for through the time that I was there, um, I don't think that we had sort of a, a student who was as like open and inspirational to me as Ellie is. So I thought that that would be a great person to talk to about it. So what inspired you about Ellie? And then we want to hear from her. Ellie, you hear this? You're inspiring generations above you. What was inspiring to Ellie? And then I want to hear from Ellie. Um, I, I knew Ellie briefly through friends while I was in high school. I think we overlapped like a year or maybe two years. Um, and I, I just know that uh, a lot of her work and um, advocating for LGBTQ students happened about, around the time that I graduated, she came out and then a lot of her advocating came after that. So I kind of wanted to return and just like check in on how that was going. Um, while I was in high school, I didn't find it a very inviting um, or inclusive atmosphere. So I just wanted to see, you know, how's that going for Ellie? And how things might be changing or what she's doing. So Ellie, tell us then, how did you get involved with trying to find more ways to share information about sex education and gender and sexuality education in schools? Um, well, it all kind of started when I came out, which was my sophomore year. And, um, and so I'm in a position like time period within myself of finding out who I am, what that truly is. And so I'm doing a lot of research and I've always been a very social person, very talkative person. And I love when people ask me questions. So people start asking me questions, straight friends, queer friends, people who are questioning. And I started just relaying all this information and it encouraged me to like research even more. 
And so it just became, I became like a voice at Brighton of like equality and sexual education in that sense, because a lot of people just, the information I was telling them flabbergasted them. They had no clue that was what was happening. What, do you have an example? Um, a lot of it is a lot of the hate that people get and like experiences I've uh, had um, that like revolve around hate and stuff and like just real, real world issues. A lot of my straight and heterosexual friends just had no idea that could even happen to someone. So a lack of, lack of exposure. And so am I hearing you say that an education, a kind of a formalized education around these issues is something that you'd like to see? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, I've had a history class every day since I was in sixth grade up to now. And I truly, I feel educated on history, but there's almost a chunk of history and knowledge that I feel like myself and other students miss out on. And it's LGBTQ history and knowledge. And I feel like it really should be incorporated into schools. And how do you think that would shift the conversation or shift an understanding within your high school environment and for people who are learning more about the world and through things that they might not normally be exposed to? How would that education help? I'd say it would create more of like a normalization of it. Um, when we learn long division in math when we're kids, it seems unlike we, how am I supposed to understand that? What? That makes no sense. And then you, you grow up and you learn more and more. And then you look back and long division is so easy. And I think, and it becomes normal. Math becomes normal. And I want it to be like a thing of like, it just becomes normal to understand LGBTQ. Like I want that to be normal. Like at first it might sound confusing. You might not truly understand because you know what? I'm not great at math, but it's, like, it's still a little confusing for me today. But it can be confusing, but you can still learn about it. And then you continue to educate yourself and get education and you to discuss. It's the discussion with your peers and you just, you learn. And I think it would truly normalize um, a lot of the problems um, that LGBTQ face. Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's a great way to kind of explain it and clarify it for folks. So what have you been doing at Brighton High School since you came out and as you started seeing some of these things? How are you getting involved? Uh, well, I've always been a very social person and I've integrated myself into lots of friend groups um, all over Brighton and just in other schools. But um, last year we got the announcement in the newsletter, student government elections are coming up. And my mom goes, oh, that'd be cool. You should run. And so I was like, okay, I'll run for student body officer. And when I started my campaign, because um, we only had like two weeks of campaigning-ish and uh, my quote was like, get lucky, vote Uber. And I dressed up as like a little leprechaun, but to kids to like talk to them about how I wanted to be an SBO representative for them is I talked about inclusive, inclusivity and how I wanted Brighton to be a place where it felt safe, where you felt comfortable to come to school, no matter any type of sexuality, uh, religion, race, anything that you felt like could discriminate you and make you a minority at school. I wanted that to, that to you, them people to embrace that. And I really, I went around all the school for two weeks to different friend groups and I just sat and talked with them and I, I truly understood what they wanted in a representative and I became that. And I'm the spirit leader because I'm 
very full of spirit, I've been told. And it's given me a chance to amplify that voice of, hey, this is a safe place. And like, look, I'm an LGBTQ student and I'm kind of running the show right here. Like, you don't have to hide in the shadows. This is a safe place for all of us. How do you think some of your classmates would describe you? Um, so not necessarily like your friends, your inner circle, but like that Ali Uber. Tell me about Ali Uber. How would you describe her? Um, I think they would definitely describe me as extroverted, extroverted. Um, I'd hope friendly. I've been told that I'm a friend to everyone um, because truly I enjoy being a friend to everyone. I don't like not having friends. Um, and I hope to say that they think I'm inspiring to do better and to, you know, get their voices out there. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing your story. It's, I mean, thanks for talking to Alexi. Alexi did share that your parents were very excited when this story published at the Salt Lake Tribune, published it on their Facebook pages. Very proud of you and the work that you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah, they were really fun. It's kind of cool to wake up uh, at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning where I got to sleep in. I didn't have school. I'm a little angry. And she's like, you're on the front page of the Salt Lake City Tribune. And I sit up wicked fast. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It was a really cool experience. Awesome. That's so great. And so tell your parents, congrats on the excellent child raising that they did. You've done some great stuff, Allie. So Alexi, you talked to a lot of people for these two stories. You wrote two stories, kind of a first sex ed story on what students are and aren't learning in public schools, which kind of opened the doorway to what students are learning about sexuality and gender uh, beyond just kind of the birds and the bees of sex ed. Uh, so what, what were some of the other things that people talked to you about? You talked to a 17 year old Lily McDonough from Highland High School. What did she say? Tell us a little bit about her. Um, so Lily, I know through my work and I know that she is, oh man, I want to say a junior now. She's 17. She might be a senior. I think she's a senior, but she has told me before, um, that people will come up to her just kind of abrasively and tell her, you know, are you a guy or are you a girl? You know, just like being very abrasive, you know, and impolite and just like, you know, or I mean, the constant misgendering and stuff like that has been really harmful for Ellie. Um, but going back earlier before, or for Lily, for, yeah, for Lily, sorry. you mean? For Lily. Um, yeah. like before that, when Lily, I think what she really told me was the most striking was the, uh, puberty maturation and development videos or lessons that you receive in like fifth grade. Um, she did explain to me that that was probably one of the most confusing moments of her life. You know, she was like, it's she basically was just explaining to me, it's, it's tough to be stuck in a position where you have two options and you don't even really have an option. You have a place that you're decided to go, like, especially going into the female development or into male development at that point. Um, I don't know. Lily just said that she felt incredibly uncomfortable in that environment. And she left and was just like, you know, why do I feel so unsettled? And that was something that she didn't quite understand at that time until, you know, many years later. So. Well, and I have a, a great quote that you have in your story from Lily here. 
she's talking about during that maturation class where they separated the boys into one room and the girls into other to talk about maturation. And she said, I left the room. And after that thought, I wish I could have been in the other room. Uh, my thoughts after that were, I wish I got, I wish you got to pick your gender. So I didn't have to be stuck with this, but they never covered that. So I just had to kind of sit with that thought. Can you elaborate a little bit on that conversation you were having with Lily? Like what led to that discussion point? Um, I need, I think because when I was doing my research, I was basically looking through health and human development um, outlines for grade by grade by grade. And, you know, before you even get to sex ed, you get to, you know, um, maturation. And that was something that I thought was, would be more striking to Lily, I guess, or something maybe that she would have a unique experience with that I wanted to hear about. And um, it was, it was a defining moment, I think, for her, because she didn't have answers to the questions that she had. And that's great for her to have an opportunity to be able to tell her story yeah. to a student journalist, uh, to help be able to kind of amplify those voices that, yeah. again, we're not often hearing about trans high school students and what they feel like is missing from their, their sex education educations in the school. Mm -hmm. So Ellie, I know that you came out as a lesbian when you were a sophomore in high school. Did you find yourself, I know it's a, so it's a different situation when you're talking about the education for trans students, but did you find yourself feeling like there wasn't a spot for you or was that independent? Um, definitely in those first, uh, that first year, I'd say until I became a junior. So just roughly all of sophomore year, I felt very out of place because I am a very like open and extroverted person, but, but having this like coming out, it, it made me like kind of shell up. It made me shell up. Um, and like, I've gotten called some slurs by some of the boys at school, like in the first upcoming months of that, like coming out. So it was very much like, I felt very individual, like very like, yeah, like I didn't have a place. And then like kind of over the summer before my junior year, I realized that there's not going to just be a place if I just sit around and wait for there to be a place for me. I have to make a place. I have to put myself into the place and make it a place for myself and others. And then that's kind of just what I started doing junior year. So I stopped caring so much about what other people thought. And I really just started to be me. Well, and there's a great picture for all of our listeners. If you go to uh, sltrip.com and click on this story from the Amplify Utah link, the main photo on the story uh, where Ellie is featured is a picture of her surrounded by tons of friends at what looks like some sort of sporting event. Everyone's in pink, boys, girls, and everyone it looks like they're having a great time. Uh, how did that shift a little bit as you became more comfortable and kind of shed that I don't care what people think mentality? Um, it just, it, uh, it came with a lot of happiness and stuff because once I shut out being like, well, maybe what do they truly think about me is I just started to live in the moment of, well, they're gonna be nice to me right now and I'm gonna say hi to them in the hallways of this short conversation or talk about talk with them in math class or history class and just creating those friendships. Um, it just like everybody realized that like me being gay didn't change anything. And I was just their average high school student and just their average friend. And as you can see in that photo, like I could name everybody in that photo. 
I could name over half of that student section um, from football games. Like I just, I love being friends with people and I love the social interaction of it. And it has made people shift their mentality. I've had people tell me that I didn't realize that like gay people were so normal, which was kind of weird to hear at first, but like it makes sense if you've never been exposed to them. And so I was like, okay, fair enough. So like, it's just like, it becomes normal. So as you were getting more involved with um, speaking out uh, did you, around the sex education components in particular, did you meet any resistance uh, from like administration or any resistance from some of the adults who are in charge, if you will, at school? Um, I have been very privileged and very lucky in the fact that I have not. I've had a very welcoming um administration at Brighton High School, um, especially with being an SBO, I have to be in a position of like power and talk to administration. Um, and they all, they all love me, not to brag or anything, but they all love me. But brag. I've had so many teachers who, when I first came out, I told them like palm sweaty, really nervous. And they treated me just like any other student, which was so relieving. And some of my like close teacher student friendships um, are because they support me so much in being gay. Excellent. Well, Ellie, thank you for joining us. You guys, you've all just heard from Ellie Uber, a senior at Brighton High School, and from Alexi Zollinger, who wrote two stories about sex education in Utah schools. The first, both of these you can find at sltrip.com on the link that says Amplify Utah, the first with the headline, Sex Education in Utah, What Students Did and Didn't Learn in the Classroom, and her follow-up and extension to that story called Why Some LGBTQ Students in Utah Say Their Health Education is Inadequate. And that's where you can hear more from Ellie Uber. All right, we're going to now move on, but before we let you go, Alexi, we need you to pick a song. Like, there is, is there a jam that this reporting made you think of that you want to share with everyone? Okay, I have, I suggested a song. It's, it's my house by Diana Ross. Um, I guess it's sort of is the inverse reaction to doing my reporting because while I am reporting, um, it is very intense for me, I get very involved, like, it's pretty much on my mind constantly. And I've been really celebrating, not celebrating. What's the word? I am grateful to have a space that I have invested time into in my home, in my room, in my safe space, because it's where I de-stress and takes me out of that mindset for a little bit and take care of myself. So that's why I chose that song. It's My House by Diana Ross. It's my house and I live here. Ah, excellent. Nice, Great nice. Thank you for joining us, Alexi and Ellie. I'm Zane Joadvarez, and up next, Juliana is going to talk about some of the cognitive, mental, and physical challenges of coming back to school after online and remote learning for the better part of like two years. You're listening to Radioactive with Amplify Utah on the Globe, Salt Lake Community College student-run paper on KRCL. One in four Utahns has a criminal record. 
February 10th marks the beginning of automatic record clearance in Utah. If you or someone you know needs help with the expungement process, visit cleanslateutah.org, a new nonprofit working to ensure that Utahns don't miss out on opportunities because of their past. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Voices Amplified as we take over Radioactive. I'm Zay Angel Alvarez, and we're hosting the show tonight to share diverse stories from a community in partnership with KRCL Amplified Utah. Uh, today, right now, we have Juliana DeMay, and she's here again to talk about the struggle of coming back to classes in person after doing remote learning again for like the better part of two years. Well, welcome, Juliana. We're so glad to have you. This is Marcy Young-Cancio, Assistant Professor of Journalism and Digital Media at Salt Lake Community College and founder of Amplify Utah. And I'm an advisor to this takeover of Radioactive's Airwaves on air every Monday at 6. Uh, but so, Juliana, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you got interested in this particular topic. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, so... Last semester was my first semester at SLCC, um, and I was well aware for myself of how difficult it was going to be to return to in-person learning. Um, and that is because I have taken off the last few years for uh, health reasons. So going into the semester, I knew that I was going to have issues with sensory processing and other things. And as I got into class and heard about what other people were struggling with or dealing with or how they were feeling, it kind of dawned on me that everyone was experiencing on some level, something really similar to what I was experiencing with my health. Um, and I've spent the better part of the last three years learning about all these different things that I've talked about in the article um, about why you know, in-person is so much harder than uh, doing class from home. And yeah, that was kind of the inspiration for the story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a tough year, I think, for everybody. And everyone has different things happening in the world around them, different health issues, different responsibilities and different stresses. And one thing that we did see during the pandemic is co collectively kind of the toll on mental health just ticked up and ticked up and ticked up. Zay, you're sighing there. Did you feel it? Absolutely. I mean, just the complete change from, I mean, there's so much more you have to, I love just being able to get up in the morning, going at my own pace and like figuring out like what I need to get done, you know, for my classes. And then I feel it every day when I come home, how more ran down I am from like having to be in person. And I love people. Like I've always been a people person, but like it's, definitely a transition having to be online and then now like in person interacting with people and coming home it's 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 a lot more it's definitely a lot more yeah and so being back on campus it can be uh kind of awkward difficult draining so juliana your story wasn't just to talk about man this sucks coming back to campus and i'm pooped but also to look at you know if you can't control the pandemic what can you control what can you do to help yourself cope with it. And what did you find out? Yeah, so I interviewed quite a few awesome people. I interviewed Scott Cadera from uh, the Mental Health Center at Slick, Mark Fox, who's a speech language pathologist at Intermountain Healthcare, um, and Paula Williams, who 
uh, teaches yoga at SLCC. And the main thing that I talked about with all three people was how to use mindfulness and mindfulness-based tools to help teach your nervous system how to calm down with all the extra uh, stimulus and activity that we have to deal with, the stress of the pandemic on top of regular life. Um, and also how to externalize your executive function to make life easier. <laughs> um, and a lot of these things I use to manage my health symptoms. So it helps me manage chronic pain, but it also just helps me uh, cognitively to stay on track and get things done. Um, you know, a couple examples, I even use them today before the show. I was nervous to come on here. You know, it's my first time talking on the radio. Um, so I took 10 minutes and I sat down and I did some breathing exercises. And what that did is it just helped me get grounded, get back into my body. Um, because if you're if your nervous system is hyper aroused in a state of fight, flight, or freeze, you're not going to be able to think clearly or make good decisions or make any decision at all. <laughs> so by trying to calm myself down before coming on air, um, you know, I'm going to be able to answer your questions better. I'm going to be able to think things through better and I'm going to feel better. Um, and the other thing, which is a massive part of my life now is um, using planners and lists and these external tools to manage um, cognitive function. And it sounds a little bit ridiculous and excessive, but um, you know, I make a list every week of everything I need to do for school, um, for my personal to-dos and whatever I need to do to manage my health. Then I take that and I put it into a planner for each day. So I put the task in for each day. Um, and then from there, I'll plan my day the night before. So I, I don't have to make decisions as much. It saves a lot of time and energy, um, you know, and even down to like leaving the house on time. I don't run around looking for my keys and my phone or whatever. I can just get out the door because I'm using these tools and these lists. That's great. And that's, it sounds like you've been able to find an incredibly practical way to apply these things. And everyone here can go and read Juliana's story on sltrib.com uh, and pick up some of these same tips that she's, she's offering, that she's learned from all of these experts. Uh, one of the things that I've always, you know, we're, we're still connected on Zoom in ways, right? We're here all with each other now. I'm looking at Zay, I'm looking at you, Juliana, and we're talking in real time. But what are the differences that we're finding cognitively and from a mental health perspective in how we communicate when we're communicating virtually versus in person? What did the folks that you talked to say about that? So what they said was, you know, when you're at home and you're on a Zoom meeting, you're in your own environment that you have complete control over. So I can control the temperature. I can control how much sound is in the room. Um, I can shut the door so people don't bother me. But if I'm in a classroom, for example, um, you know, someone could be walking around in the hallway or the lights are too bright or there's a sound uh, that is challenging me. Um, it takes a lot more energy to filter out all of that external stimuli and pay attention to what you're doing and respond. Um, and then especially with online classes, you do a lot of uh, email response and typing out the written word. 
And in person, it's a lot harder to respond in real time. Um, you know, you can't spend 10 minutes on an email perfecting what you're trying to say. You have to just say it in the moment imperfectly and hope for the best. <laughs> and be okay with that, right? And understand that yeah. there's not perfection in a real face-to-face -face environment. Yeah, exactly. Well, great. Exactly. Well, Juliana, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for your great work. You've done three stories that have been published with uh, the Salt Lake Tribune through Amplify Utah and Salt Lake Community College's Journalism and Digital Media Program. And we would love to have you back sometime if you're interested in joining us. Yes, I would love to come back. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Oh, it's way fun, right? So for <laughs> all of you who are interested in reading more about what all of our students are doing, but want to read Juliana's story, you can go to sltrib.com, click on that Amplify Utah link at the top, and her story that she talked about today is headlined by some Utah students who found it difficult to return to in-person classes and some tips to stay sharp on campus. Thanks, Juliana. But before you go, you got a song for us? Yeah, so I have been listening to Brandy Carlisle on repeat a lot. And <laughs> uh, one of my Me favorite, <laughs> so, yeah, one of my favorite songs of hers is the story partially because her vocalizations are just so cathartic <laughs> in the way that she sings. I climbed across the mountain I have been listening to Brandy Carlisle on repeat but it also just kind of talks about the common struggles that we go to and how important sharing your story is with other people. Awesome. Thanks, Juliana. Thanks for joining us. Zay, back to you. Thanks again, Juliana. That was awesome. Um, just a reminder to SLC students, um, Slick offers individual couple and crisis counseling to students and staff. And there's also a 24-hour community crisis line at 801-587-3000. And now we're joined by Andrew Christiansen, assistant editor at The Globe, and he's going to be talking to us about our custodial staff shortage. That's not only happening at Slick, but across colleges or across the United States. Andrew, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Andrew, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Uh, again, this is Marcy Young-Cancio, assistant professor at Salt Lake Community College and advisor at The Globe. So I've been working with Andrew for several semesters now. He was the second person published after Christian Martinez as part of our partnership with Amplify Utah and The Globe and Salt Lake Community College. But his fourth story, four, is that right? You've been published four times in the Tribune through this project. His fourth story was about why Salt Lake Community College and other institutions across the state are having such a hard time hiring enough custodians to keep things safe and clean during this global pandemic. Andrew, what did you learn and why were you turned on to this story? Yeah, so I actually heard about this initially. I think you forwarded me the email. It was an email to all staff and it had a statistic in there. Um, and it's a statistic that I used in the story that of the 156 total custodial positions at the college, um, 65 are currently unfilled, or at least at the time of the writing, writing of the story. So that just seemed like I mean, that just stuck out to me is that it can't be a good situation. Um, and I know that just since the pandemic has started and even more recently with the Omicron surge schools across the country, whether it be, you know, custodial staff or substitute teachers or bus drivers, I know that staff shortages has, you know, just been a big problem for everyone. Yeah, that 65 uh, open positions made up for 42%. And that's quite a bit when you're talking about 
many campuses, we're not just talking about one of our campuses, but many of the campuses that Salt Lake Community College has, uh, you write that the staff is responsible for cleaning and maintaining 50 buildings every week. And some of those buildings, like the South City campus, where we're recording from today, are huge. I mean, this is the old South High School. It's been added onto and extended. A building is not a one or two room space. So what, what did you hear? You talked to some of the custodial staff and you talked to folks at the college. What did they say? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I think the one cool thing to about this story is, I guess, just talking to the custodial staff. So I talked to Pedro Leonardini. He's a custodial supervisor. He's been at the college since 1994. And he kind of just talked and, and spoke on these issues of people leaving because of COVID, because they didn't feel as safe or, and then that kind of led to, you know, work building up for the people that did stay. And he also talked about how a lot of the reasons why they don't have enough people is probably because there's other jobs that pay more or you know have better benefits because at the college for opening custodial position they only pay $14 which is increased from $2 um, last semester that happened you know try to trying to um, entice more people to apply for the job but it's still increased increased by $2 not from $2 yeah, I'm yeah, assuming correct all right so what are they doing what is uh what are they doing to try to fix this, to take some of the weight off of the staff and to make, make it a little more smooth? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess that, that pay increase was a, an attempt to get more people to apply, but I actually talked to Bob Askerland. Um, he's the associate vice president of facilities at Salt Lake Community College a couple of days ago, just to check in because this story initially published um, at the beginning of, De of December. And they've only had, I think they have three new employees now, but the staff sort of just, you know, still running rampant and hasn't gotten too much better. So Solid Community College isn't alone here. You said that other universities across the state are in similar positions. What are, what are your sources saying is falling by the wayside? What's being prioritized and what is going untended to if we're down 40 plus percent in, our, in the custodial staff? Um, I mean, I think it leads to just not, I mean, more work for the people that do, you know, who are still at the job. And especially during COVID times, there's, there was a lot more demand for cleaning. So that made their jobs harder. And then also just not, um, I don't know, getting paid enough or, or enticing people enough, which it's a, it's a hard um, line because, you know, Bob Askerland told me that, you know, pay increases could cost hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. Um, and with, people not going to school as much um, right now, attendance rates are, are lower because of COVID that, you know, you're getting less money from tuition for that. So it's, it's a very complicated issue, but I think people are definitely experiencing and, and um, I guess struggling because of this. Right. And this is something that is certainly playing out across a lot of industries. You have restaurants who are understaffed, hotels, certainly not just at Salt Lake Community College and certainly not just in custodial. Uh, well, Andrew, thank you. We look forward to having you on the show again to talk about more of the work you're doing as an assistant editor at The Globe here at Salt Lake Community College. But before we go, I know that you're a big music guy. That's your preferred beat, I think, right? Writing about music and hitting all the shows. So what song are you leaving us with? Yeah, it was hard to, to pick a song, but um, I wanted to pick a new song that came out in 2022. So it's um, a band, Pine Grove, um, and the song Respirate.
Yeah, the song is Respirate by Pine Grove. So I, I read a quote about um, like kind of what the song is about. And, and it's really about, um, you know, he was thinking about the opportunity that, that we've had in COVID to kind of redesign society so that it will work for more people. But instead, what's unfolded is kind of doubling down on, you know, the same kind of screwed up, you know, systems and structures that have like resulted in so much inequity in the first place. And I think that kind of speaks to my story and just the kinds of stories that, you know, at Amplify Utah that we're trying to um, tell and, you know, amplify. Wonderful. Thanks, Andrew. And thanks everyone for joining us. This was our first ever radioactive takeover in partnership with Amplify Utah and Salt Lake Community College student journalists and reporters. We will be bringing you great stories of representation all semester, every Monday at six. But first we want to wrap up this episode, our very first episode with some fun pop culture nuggets, stuff that we're excited about, or just kind of obsessed with in the world of pop culture. So co-host Day. What are you, what are you digging right now? Yo, have you guys seen Encanto yet? I have not. It's on Disney Plus. Yo, on the list. I feel like Disney and Pixar cannot miss. I've like yet to see a film of theirs that they haven't like completely delivered. But Encanto, highly recommend. Uh, Bruno, uh, actually, there, there's a song, uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno, that is recently, well, that is now their highest charting song, like from Disney. Before it was Let It Go from Frozen, and it peaked at number four. And now uh, we don't talk about Bruno. Last week, uh, last time I checked, is charting at number three on the Billboard Top 100. All right. So keep an eye, keep an eye on those charts. Are we going to get to number one, Bruno? We'll Absolutely. I would love to see Ancanto make it over there. And along with other songs that just released, uh, Salva the People, a local artist, just dropped a song uh, with Hurt Davis called Not Another Untitled MP3. And it's streaming on everything. And also Kanye West in the game dropped a new song called Easy. And all three of those songs are absolute complete bangers. Awesome. So, all right, we've got three awesome pop culture nuggets and uh, we will be posting our playlist of songs that we've suggested throughout this show, in addition to the ones that Zay just included in his pop culture nuggets. So go to krcl.org to get this play down the playlist when we're done with the show. All right, Alexi, what are you feeling in the world of pop culture? Um, so today I read that Dolly Parton, the beloved singer songwriter, uh, she has national, national treasure, treasure, truly national treasure. Um, America's Diva. She has had the season's hottest collaboration um, with Duncan Hines. It's a baking company. And she released a couple limited edition collections of coconut and banana cake mixes. And they dropped on the company's website on Wednesday and they were sold out by noon. So everybody wants the Dolly Parton baking mixes and recipes. Um, the Retail of it is going to be in March. It's going to be uh, sold in retails and grocery stores in March. But up until then, you pretty much have to sign up for notifications if you want to get your hands on a Dolly Parton baking mix. Okay. Well, awesome. Anyone who knows me knows that they know where yeah. to find me a gift now. So that sounds amazing. All right, Christian, what's your pop culture nugget that you have for us? I was thinking about this and I think I'll have to go with a new artist I discovered somewhat recently. Um, through my brother, actually, um, it was, uh, Brittany Howard. Um, he got me into her music, her, 
I think her inaugural album, I think is her very first album. Um, I had no idea who she was. I listened to her music. I really like it. Really enjoy it. Um, uh, also, in addition to um, Brittany Howard, I think um, I, I think the new season of Ozark dropped not too long ago. Um, uh, <laughs> That's still on my list. I still need to check that out. I only hear good things about that show. Yeah. Awesome. And if you're not familiar with Brittany Howard, she's the lead singer of Alabama Shakes. Absolutely incredible. She launched out in a solo career. Of, I think one of, she did some solo albums. I think 2017, 2018 was when those albums were released. And she has really just one of the most incredible soulful voices. Give Brittany Howard and Alabama Shakes a listen when you get a chance. Uh, and uh, gosh, we've got so much good music to choose from. Uh, I am just going to piggyback on Alexi, our lead producer for this show. Amy uh, Schaefer is in the chat of the Zoom saying that Alexi is trying to score brownie points with her professor, who is me, because I am a huge Dolly Parton fan. I have named my dog Dolly Parton, P-A-W-T-O-N. So I, for my pop culture nugget, will pick the song to go out on. And I think you know, in honor of Dolly Parton and this new show and this new year and this new school year, let's go out on light of a clear blue morning by Dolly Parton. What a hopeful way to end our first show. Thanks everybody. That was our first ever SLCC and Amplify Utah takeover of Radioactive. Join us every Monday night at six as we take a deeper dive into diversity and unpack Utah's unspoken stories. Thanks to all the special guests that joined us today. Stories that matter, things that you care about. Voices Amplified, a collaboration between Salt Lake Community College, Amplify Utah, and KRCL 90.9. It's been a long, dark night. And I've been waiting for the morning. Hey, KRCL listeners. Join us Mondays at 6 as Radioactive passes the mic to a new wave of storytellers and journalists. Join us as we take a deeper dive into diversity and unpack Utah's unspoken stories. Special guests, stories that matter, things you care about. Voices Amplified, a collaboration between Salt Lake Community College, Amplified Utah, and KRCL 90.9. It looks great on you.